everyone, welcome to the Age Group to Pro Triathlon Podcast. My name is Kaylee, the pro. And I'm Brian, the age grouper. Our goal is to help people go from confused to confidence in their first few triathlons. So let's dive into this week's episode. All right, so we have a fun episode planned for you this week. We're going to kick it off with some this or that. We'll talk about which thing we prefer inside triathlon and outside of triathlon as a fun little segment, maybe some discussion, and let us know if we're crazy in the comments or on Instagram for any of our choices. And then we'll talk about some strategies to plan out your run races, both off the bike and for pure run races. And then we'll get into some other viewer questions as well. So let's dive in to our this or that segment. Oh boy, here we go. (laughs) Okay, so the first question, I'll read them off here, is coffee or tea? I feel like that one's easy. Coffee. Coffee. Correct. Is that, I feel like that's not even a question for us. No, No right answers, but that one there is. So... I knew that one already. So hot coffee or cold coffee? Oh, we're going into the summer. So I think right now I'm on a cold coffee kick. I'm still going to pick hot coffee because if I could only live with one the rest of my life, that's how I'm approaching this. That's true. I guess if the rest of my life, it would have to be hot. Okay. So espresso or drip coffee? I'm a huge espresso fan, which I guess goes into the hot coffee side, but... Yeah, espresso always. Drip coffee comes out hot too. Yeah, but you can have (laughs) ice drip. Okay, well, espresso it is. So we're on the same page so far. Here's where it might change a little. 6 a.m. workout or 6 p.m. workout? A thousand percent 6 a.m. See, that's tough for me because 6 a.m. is really early, especially to push yourself. I feel like I need to wake up for like an hour and a half before I'm ready. But... I'm going to go with 6 p.m. workout if I had to pick. I mean, I would have guessed that for you. It's close, though. I don't want to do either. Okay, so Martin drink or Martin gel for calories? definitely the drink. Drink over gel? Yeah, a thousand percent. I think I would go gel. I think I could just eat gels all day and then just drink water. The gel's, to me, the worst thing ever. Like, it just tastes terrible. Yeah, you don't do well on gels. Okay, moving along here. A road bike or triathlon bike for training rides? I would personally, I think, rather be on a road bike, but I currently only ride my TT bike, so I'm kind of like forced to choose that, I think. Maybe you want what you can't have because I would rather just be cruising on a TT bike, but I only have a road bike. So we're the opposite, but... Yeah, but like I said, neither of us have the other one, so... One day. Yeah. Okay, hard pool workout or hard bike workout? Oh, that one's really hard. Not for me. I think I would prefer to do a hard bike. Yeah, 100%. I mean, my only problem is, is like my heart in the pool is not always hard. It's kind of whatever I have when I show up to the pool. So I can always work harder on the bike, but yeah. Yeah, hard bike workout. Okay, long run or long bike? Long run. Mm. Not the long runs we do always, but are we? Is this easy or a workout? Long. Just you're just going out and cruising. Okay, if that's if that's the ones, then definitely running. Mm. 
Yeah, I think I'll go long run. Yeah, I agree. Okay, pasta or rice? I'm on a pasta kick right now, so pasta. Pasta. Cat or dog? Oh, cat. Definitely. Next question. <laughs> Racing with socks or no socks? I'm a socks person. You put this one in here for me. Because I'm not going to race with socks. That's not triathlon. I mean, it's not worth a blister. Like, I got a terrible blister, couldn't run for two weeks. It's not worth it. It's worth a win, though. I've never lost by, like, a couple of seconds. So mm. it hasn't, like, come to bite me in the butt yet. I'm always going no socks, just so I'm ready for the day. Okay, final one. Training in heat or training in the cold? Ooh, that's a good one. I think for me, heat. Cold. Like really cold? I mean, this is... Are we talking about Antarctica versus the desert? I would say we're talking in the teens versus the like upper 80s, 90s. I feel like upper 80s is like 20s. Okay, then upper 80s and 20s. 20s. Okay, still. In terms of Fahrenheit still for our heat. international listeners. Yeah, I'm going cold, 100%. The race this past weekend was really hot. I couldn't breathe. It was super humid. Oh, yeah. I forgot you had a, a 10K this weekend. Did you actually? Yeah, I kind of forgot that that was this weekend. Oh, okay. Well, it was on our list of things to talk about. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I feel like it was a really cool way to kind of, I mean, I know you and could guess some of your answers, but I think it's a, a great way for the listeners to get to know us a little bit because people definitely reached out and just asked a lot of just personal questions and just wanting to get to know us. So yeah. And if you're more creative than us, submit some of your own this or that questions and maybe we'll have some even more interesting answers than those. Yeah. Ask away. Yeah, so speaking of asking, let's pair a little race recap with this question because I think we talked about it a lot going into this 10K race that I had in terms of one of the, the listeners asked, how do you strategize and plan your race for the run? And we can start off by talking a little bit about how we strategized my 10K race this weekend. Yeah, no, I think this question fit in really perfect with with this 10K because it was the start was less than a mile from our house. So we are so familiar with every single elevation change and just really know the course. So I think we were able to really talk about it and really come up with a great race plan. I think it was thrown out a little with the heat and the humidity, but I think we were able to come up with a pretty good strategy. I don't know. We'll have to see what you think. Yeah, well, I think speaking of elevation profile, when it comes to getting to know a race course, understanding the elevation gain and elevation lost is always crucial. And one of the tips that um, your friend Sam gave me afterwards is even though the, the downhills are down, they still beat up your legs. They're still going to wear you down for the rest of the race. So don't underestimate them, especially over longer distances. It's so important to be on that pace that you know you can hold the whole time versus going out too fast like I did. Yeah, I think the downhills are definitely the hardest part to decide whether you should be picking up and pushing your pace. And as I like to say, banking extra time for the harder miles or 
if you should be kind of recovering and making sure you have more in the tank to be able to get up those hills. Yeah. So this course was the first three miles. The first two were flat and the third is down, but it leads into a fourth mile, which is a really long uphill, gradual uphill. And the fifth and sixth are flat. So it's tough to time and stay at that point where you're not past your limit going into that fourth mile because recovering up that hill is almost impossible. And then recovering after that hill is really tough in humidity. Yeah, I was going to say the worst part is just you're not rewarded with a downhill. Once you make it to the top, it's kind of just flat, a little bit of rolling, but nothing to really get the turnover back going and to give you a little bit of a break. So, Yeah, so the first thing I would say is have a goal time in mind, right, when it comes to a run? Yeah. For a triathlon or just a run race? Yeah, definitely. I think starting out with your goal time and then making sure you're checking to see what that average is uh, per mile or per K, whichever one you go by, um, because then it can kind of help you decide, okay, I should be going over or under at different points because I don't know anyone who is like, I am going to run a 610 today and then hits a 610 for every single mile. So um, it's definitely important to to get in and come up with a strategy. Uh, how do you feel your strategy going in translated? Yeah, I think if I stuck to the plan better, I would have hit my goal where if you have a goal pace and you know like my goal was to stay sub six minute mile or sub 345 per kilometer. And if I stuck right around that 555 to six mark, I think I would have had a better chance at success in the race. But I clocked my first mile at a 540. Yeah, which is a lot lower. <laughs> yeah, which is fast. Um, so, yeah, I think if you want a higher chance of success in your race plan, stick closer to your average the longer the race is going to go on. But just in general, even if you're doing a 5K, if you have that average, it's probably better to negative split it than to positive split it. Yeah. I mean, you're going to feel better if you are negative splitting, but it's probably the hardest thing to do as a runner is to to negative split any race. I would say even 5Ks, it's pretty hard to do. So I will say with that question, I thought I could talk a little bit about like my strategy going into Chattanooga this weekend, because one big difference is you may not have the ability to actually run the course and know exactly where the hill is, where the downhill is, and when things are, you know, going to get challenging because, you know, I'm not going to run 13 miles ahead of time to learn the course. Like I'll do a, a small piece of it and get a little recon, but I think going in and getting an elevation profile, like you were saying, is very important. So I've already looked at the one in Chattanooga and have seen that there is a pretty big hill at the beginning. And I've also heard people tell me that there is a, an initial hill getting out of transition. And then it looks like around three, four miles, you have some climbs and then it's a pretty nice and steady downhill until about mile eight to 10, somewhere in there, you have some more climbs. And then it kind of just looks like it's an up and down finish for the last couple miles. So I I looked at that. And with that plan, I know that going out, especially if you have a hill early on in a race, you kind of need to 
not pay attention to your split as much. At least that's what my plan is. I'm not going to look and see that I'm going slow and then kind of get discouraged, especially if my legs aren't feeling good because, you know, coming off a bike, going up a hill, it's going to be pretty, pretty tough. Uh, yeah, to me, it's going to tell you right away if you overbiked or not, if there's an uphill in a triathlon. I think it does and it doesn't. I think it's too early to make that decision. Like if you over, I don't know, maybe I've just never like truly overbiked my legs because I'm just nervous to do that. But to me, I'm not going to assess how my how I think the rest of my run's going to go based on the very first hill and like the beginning of a like especially 70.3 distance okay i respectfully disagree i mean (laughs) i think that as soon as i step off the bike i know if i overbiked or not when i start running to my running shoes so i think an uphill is the most humbling experience off the bike to say yeah i messed up or okay I, i hit my watts and i can do this what would be your strategy then after that, like when you when you get to the top of the hill, are you going to reassess and try to pick it back up or are you just going to take it more conservative? No, I think when you overbike in a triathlon, as someone who's done it many times, we've I've probably raced over 20 triathlons the past two years. And I would say I overbike maybe maybe 40 to 50 percent of them. It's, it's not like something, I mean, we can talk about recovering from it, but once, once you do, you're kind of just, you're cooked. Like there is no coming back from it. There is no plan. I'm just saying that Hill will probably humble a lot of people. No, I I agree with that. I definitely agree with that, but I think it's also fair that if you feel bad early on, it's a long race and that don't think the rest of your run is going to feel just as bad because it may not. I've definitely had races turn around for me, you know, after the first three miles. Yeah. No, the body can come around for sure. And with that, it's super important to, to consistently check yourself. You know, if you are feeling bad, slow up off your pace, like give yourself a little bit of time to kind of recover and treat it as like a, a quote unquote off interval that, like you do in workouts and then use a downhill, pick your pace back up, get your legs, your turnover going, and then check your watch again and try to get your pace back to where you want to. Because with such long runs, you are going to fall off the pace, but you also have the opportunity to get back on because that's probably the thing I've learned the most with running is being able to recover at a pace that, I know I can recover at, but then also getting back up to where I should be. Yeah. I think in any case, just not going anaerobic up that first hill, that first three miles. Yeah. No, that's very true. Because when you're off the bike, it feels like you're running slow, but you're actually running fast because your legs are just, they're already turning over. They already have lactate burning, which is fueling them. So you might feel slow, but you're actually at pace. Yeah. So to me in a 70.3, the most important thing to not do is overrun the first three miles into an uphill. Yeah. No, that's actually a really good advice. And and that's a feel thing. You can't check your watch to see if you're ever running. Yeah. I know for me, if my goal pace is or in the like 550s to a six flat pace, I try my best to take it out at that pace. Even if I'm feeling better or 
I think I could go faster, I don't go faster. Like I make sure that I'm sticking to that goal pace. I might give myself five to 10 seconds per mile faster, just like I said, to bank a little extra time for those hills that are the miles that I'm feeling terrible on. But yeah, I think it's a good opportunity to feel good for a few miles. Um, but yeah, to keep on with the the Chattanooga course, I think that more moving into the latter part of the run, I think it's going to be a pretty up and down. And I think you're just going to have to read how you're feeling going up hills. Try not to get too discouraged or even looking into your pace too much, especially when you're eight, nine, 10 miles into a half marathon. Uh, and then using the downhills to really relax, recover, get your legs back under you. So then you can take on the next hill, but yeah, I think at that point it's just going to be high and low over your your goal pace and just trying to make sure, you know, whatever you're you're gaining on the downhill, you're staying within that threshold going up the hills. Yeah. What's your nutrition plan on the run? I typically will just go with like one or two goos with me um, and I sip on them. And I think I've said before, I always try to make sure I'm I'm sipping on them close to aid stations. So it's good to know where your aid stations are, which mile markers they should be showing up around. Because I think that sometimes running to an aid station can help you make it to each one and kind of just progress you through the, the run. But yeah, I think I'll go with two. I think if it's hot, I'll probably get through two. If it's not too hot and I'm not sweating too much, I, I may only make it through one. So why does sweating matter? Why would that matter when it comes to eating and nutrition for you? For me on the run, I am really, really bad at drinking nutrition. And so I know I'm getting electrolytes from, I try to make sure that I'm, I'm using high sodium content in the, the goose that I'm taking so that I'm replenishing my electrolytes as well as kind of, if I'm feeling that like sugar glucose deficit, I can also have it, but if I'm sweating more, I typically will take in my electrolytes through the goo versus Gatorades or water at aid stations because I'm just terrible at, at getting them in otherwise. Yeah, makes sense. Any other final tips for the Chattanooga run course? Uh, I think those are my big ones right now. Just pace the ups. Yeah, pace the ups. Don't get discouraged early on uh, if your legs aren't feeling good. Use the downs when you can. If you need the recover, recover down versus, you know, running faster. Um, and yeah, and just keeping your head in it because it's 13 miles. You can feel bad at some points and feel good at other points. So, Yeah, no, I think that's good feedback. So that's, that's Chattanooga's race plan. What is in store for the week after Chattanooga? What's your schedule looking like when it comes to racing and then what for the rest of May into June? Yeah. So Chattanooga is kind of my, I would say my last big race for the the spring season. Uh, so this is kind of a transition period from spring racing into summer racing for me. So the week after is actually a pretty big optional down week. So I'll have workouts planned. They'll be very easy and everyone will technically be optional. So I will most likely get as many of them in and maybe just take a couple of days right after to just recover some. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how this race goes and how I'm feeling afterwards. 
But then right after that week, we will be traveling to our first, or at least my first ever training camp out in Arizona. So yeah, that'll be fun. Very excited for that. We'll spend some time with Ryan Bolton. He's our coach and really focus in on a a big training week, but also getting in-person feedback from Ryan. Yeah, it'll be very different because I don't think I've really worked with our coach in person since starting triathlon. So this will be my first experience having a one-on-one coaching experience. So, Yeah. And the reason you started working with him, I think, is because I was working with him and you were responding so well to my training program. Yeah, I was kind of just like following along what you were doing and just... Yeah, just doing what you had in store and was doing really well, so. Yeah, I mean, even with your run, you didn't expect it to come as far as it's come. And Yeah, no, I saw a lot of progress. Um, I would say the biggest thing that was a huge change was our long runs. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably what really changed my my running threshold and how good I could run was starting to do the types of stuff he gave us. Right. Not just long, but intentional workouts within the long runs. Yeah. It was very new to me because in college, the most, I guess, workout structure we had to long runs might be, Hey, go out. And then when you come back, try to come back faster than you went out in. And that was pretty much it. It was kind of like up to your discretion of how hard you wanted to run that day. And if you wanted to go slow, you go slow. If you wanted to pick it up a little, you could. But I've never had the types of workouts that we do. Yeah. And I think Ryan's notorious in a good way for his long runs and big bikes Yeah, throughout the years. You know that you've seen Sam Long post. You've seen Ben Hoffman post. We have a six-hour bike plan for the camp. Are you nervous for that? Oh, yeah. It'll be my longest bike, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Mount Lemon, if you've ever heard of it. It's pretty infamous. Yeah, I think it's like a a big triathlon. Maybe cycling world. We're not as familiar with it, but I know at least in the triathlon world, it's a big one to get out and do. And I know people have QOMs that they really target and have hit, which we will not be aiming for. Speak for yourself. (laughs) I will not be aiming for a QR. Yeah, I think it's Lionel and Sam at the top there, so we'll see. But it should be it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm excited. That'll be good to get in-person feedback. So let's get into one question from one of our listeners. Nick, his ask was, what's your take on the Whoop watch to monitor fatigue and recovery? Additionally, what's our experience with training based off of heart rate variability? Anecdotally, we're happy to give you our opinions, but I think it's worth saying up front that we have very little, if any, experience in either of these topics. Yeah. So it's almost like a bait and switch where we can say, yeah, we don't have much experience there, but we can talk about these factors when it comes to recovery and perceived effort and things like that. Yeah, um, the things that have kind of worked for us versus um, like we we don't have the the whoop. Is that what it's called? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the Garmin watch has... Uh, heart rate variability because we we have a friend who has spoken to us about it a little bit but we I personally have never really used it um so I like I wouldn't even know what mine is or really how the metrics work but yeah definitely I mean Nick 
over at Quarterstone Performance on his Instagram could probably give us more insight on it. Oh, yeah. Just, just using it. But, um, you know, he has a great, great Instagram page and, uh, you know, is a, a great follower. But to to that point, I can generally tell when I'm getting overtrained and getting to the point of being overtrained. Yeah, what are what are some of the things that you would say you first notice? I notice a lot where like if I'm climbing stairs or something like that, I get really winded or I feel like my heart rate's fluttery. And then also when I lay down, my heart rate gets fluttery and like elevated. Yeah, I know you've definitely have said things about that before. Yeah, just like that level of, of fatigue. Um, but one of the biggest things, so I try to have a a new focus each training block because when you go weeks and weeks, just following a training program, it gets mundane. So the, the focuses for this training block are unrelatedly one flip turns in the pool, hitting all my yardage in the pool, but two eating adequate nutrition during workouts I heard Christian Blumenfeld on the How They Train podcast recently mentioned something along the lines of it takes your body energy to replenish those glycogen storages that are depleted. So instead of always recovering, if you know, you're just recapturing the carbs after workouts, then your body's also spending energy to restore them there. Yeah, so, so it's almost like never getting into much of a deficit. Right. So my focus, this block to circling back finally to Nick's question of staying recovered and and fatigue, um, my goal to monitor fatigue is to prevent it more in the first place. And that's from a nutritional standpoint, first and foremost, that's, that's what I'm trying to do personally there. Um, and so far, even though I don't, I, I typically wouldn't have eaten on all the workouts that I've been doing. I've been consuming more calories per hour and I feel, I feel more energy. I feel sharper so far. Are you consuming more on your easy, like if you were going to go out for an easy hour, hour and a half ride, would you consume calories for that? Any workout that's over an hour, my goal is to take in some form of calorie and we'll see how it goes. And are you predominantly doing carbs or are you doing anything in between? Like, are you upping your protein or, or fats or anything else? Or is just pretty much all, all carbs? Yeah. Well, outside is everything's fair game. So more protein to me is always better, but yeah, for sure. It's a focus on simple carbs. Yeah. No, you have to see how that goes. And if it, you feel less fatigue or, or not, I guess, any type of deficit that you might dig yourself into by keeping your yourself above. So, yeah. I mean, the question will be if it's a placebo effect because Christian also said he's been doing 30 plus hour weeks for 13 years. Yeah. We're going into our second year of the sport and I'm pretty new to all three of the sports, including running. So we'll also make progress and feel better. Hopefully month, you know, not, if not month to month, year to year, just because we're getting in better shape. Yeah. But I think fueling properly along the way can't hurt. So that's that's a big focus for me. Do you have any big focuses that you're looking to pay attention to? Um, I guess this is also not related to, to a fatigue uh, question, but my focus right now is just doing more ancillaries. 
I am trying to stretch more, do a little more core and um, hip exercises just to kind of keep the stabilizers a little more more built up because I this could go to fatigue, but when I'm having really big blocks, I find myself getting just like little aches and pains that are not necessarily inhibiting me from doing my workouts and performing, but it's annoying. Like it's, it's not fun going out for a long run when your hip is hurting or, you know, having to get in TT position when you're feeling a little sore in your knee. So I think just trying to prevent these small little aches and pains is, is my focus. And now that I do have more free time, I'm going to try to fill that time with preventative strategies of keeping myself healthy. Um, but on the, the relaxing side or, or kind of just like managing fatigue, I would say I'm probably not that great at it. I think for me, I, when I get my training schedule, I just do what it is and, and don't necessarily register my body. And like, if I'm thinking like this is too much on me or I I just kind of do it. So I think you're someone who has pointed out to me sometimes I, I might bury myself a little in workouts and I am trying to be a little bit better about that. Like always just kind of holding back just one notch so that I'm not taking it to the ground and burning everything and ruining another workout that I have in a couple of days. So yeah. And importantly, you have to burn it down sometimes if you know, you don't train like your race ever, then you don't get that practice, but at the same time, on the workouts that you do have to really go deep, have the nutrition there to back it up yeah. so you can recover from it. Yeah. That, that's the big difference to me. I, I want to work out harder and consume more. It's almost like they go hand in hand. Yeah. To be able to actually hit those hard workouts and not bury yourself is by making sure you're properly fueling to, to be able to do it, which probably be something I need to also work on, but I think you want to focus on the little things. Yeah. Like you said, it's probably better to kind of work on one thing at a time because you don't want to overwhelm yourself with all these things that you think you need to get better at and never even doing one of them. So yeah, I actually do not care about swim pace whatsoever. Oh, I'm my, at my the goal, same point right my goal now. is not to get faster. Like it will happen as a byproduct, but my goal is simply to do flip turns and do all the yardage. And that's, you know, so like you said, just focusing on one thing at a time, Jason West, it has worked so hard the past few years and his big thing this year, now that he's sort of had, I mean, he's always been good, but he's phenomenal this year. Um, He said that doing the little things was really what helped him take it to that next level. Yeah. Do the big things and the little things, like you said. And I think the small things are the are the ones that are so hard to to implement in and especially with people who have full-time jobs and are really busy with just life that it's I mean it's hard for me during school to even sit down and do 10 15 minutes of focused stretching and yeah, I mean it's just hard but it could help. Like I did it this morning, got on the bike and TT position felt great. Like nothing was hurting. Nothing felt tight. I was able to just like get in the position and like push, push the Watts that I needed to. So yeah, Jackson laundry, Canadian pro also, he does like three simple stretches before every workout just to like sort out the imbalances and get, get an even posture for the bike and the run. So 
I think there's a lot to be said for the little things. I think one of the tips that can really help people is to set up a station. Humans work really well at stations. If you think about a workstation, which is right behind us while we're doing this podcast, people are used to working at desks and the same thing goes for stretching. So we have a pain cave in our, in our home, which, you know, we do abs, we have some weights, we have the, the Zwift, all that good stuff. So set up a station where you always go once a day to do some sort of prehab or rehab. And that can go a long way as a habit. Yeah. Even if like for me right now, stretching is a little corner in our bedroom so that it's easy. Like as soon as I get up, I, I can just sit down and do my stretches. And even if I want to do it before going to bed, it's also easy to kind of just have that spot that I know, okay, this is where I need to stretch and, and yeah. get it in. So. I think stations work for everything. I think it works with stretching and working out. I think stations work for vitamins, for hydration, you know, yeah. having a water cup filled at a certain spot in the house that you always go to. So, um, yeah, getting the little things right. Yeah, that's that's we'll pretty see. much the goal. Yeah, I mean, we'll always report back. That's the whole point, right? To see what our focus is and then report back if it's working or not working. But so far, so good. Yeah, I think you're just now starting your block. So you have a few more weeks of that. And then easy I'll... to feel good in the first few days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anyone who goes through different training cycles knows that the first week is usually the best week. And then each week after you're just waiting for that down week. So yeah, we have so many fun things coming up. We have Chattanooga 70.3. We have Tucson training camp. We'll be doing bike fits, swim coaching, swim instruction, just massive training blocks. So be sure to like, follow, subscribe for us on YouTube if you can. Um, and, you know, we appreciate all the support and keep asking questions. We'd love to answer more of the viewers questions and, and talk more about that. But yeah, we'll if you have any questions uh, about any of the 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 training that we have coming up or races, feel free to to ask us and we'll make sure to get them those answered as well as look out for some videos that we should be coming out soon. Now that I have a little more time and Brian's trusting me with the editing work, I am going to try to get some pre and post race videos out there to you guys. So I'm going to hold myself accountable now that there is recording of me saying this. Trust was never the issue. <laughs> <laughs> it was time mostly, but yeah. I have the time now and yeah, hopefully we can get you guys to see what our lives are like a little. So will Kaylee become an editor? Time we'll see. Will tell. We'll see. Yeah. So anyway, thanks for joining us. We will catch you next week. Same time, same place. Yeah. See you guys then.